Star Wars 7x7 episode 855. We did a Rogue One post-production update yesterday, so let's do an episode 8 post-production and Han Solo movie pre-production update for you. Punch it, Chewie. This is Todd Vander Hayden. I'm a national Canadian television anchor with CTV News and a syndicated radio host, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And gosh, it's funny to think that Episode 8 is in post-production, isn't it? Considering the fact that it's not going to come out for another year and 40 days. I mean, really? Gosh. All that time we're going to have to be sitting waiting on this thing. It seems so bizarre. And you know, we've talked on the podcast before, you and I have, about how the rumor mill has been affected since the beginning of the new Star Wars filming. Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, of course, had tons of rumors and leaks and spoilers flying out of the production, despite the loose lips sink... (laughs) Try to say that five times fast. Loose lips sink starships poster that had been put up on the set in Pinewood Studios. And Rogue One certainly, by comparison, a lot fewer leaks. And in fact, there wasn't even much reported about the filming that they did in Iceland or in Jordan. You know, only really some set shots from the Maldives, and that's about it. Otherwise, the news coming out of Pinewood about Rogue One was comparatively minimal. And it's been the same way for Episode Eight so far. Um, I would say a lot more in terms of location shooting stuff was out there. The location shooting in Ireland and in Croatia. You know, that stuff, I mean, I guess it's pretty hard when you're shooting on location. It can be, but I guess they got away with it with (laughs) Rogue One. But not so much Episode Eight. Now... The Pinewood stuff, like I said, seemed to have been locked down, but it seems like cracks are starting to show in that. Now, I am not going to get into the spoilery stuff in this portion of the podcast, so just don't worry. Don't think you have to go fast-forwarding anything just yet. I'm only going to say to you that MakingStarWars.net has been active and booted up in terms of the things that they're reporting, and I will make mention of it at the end of the podcast. You'll have ample warning. It'll be right after trivia, so don't worry. But... Yeah, they are starting to get stuff out of the Pinewood Studios area of things. And so, yeah, maybe it's not the best idea for them to have waited so long on Episode 8. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a long time until December. That's a long time to keep the lid down on all the secrets. One person who is seemingly not having a problem keeping a lid on things, though, is Daisy Ridley, who was recently asked about a fan theory as to whether she might be Obi-Wan Kenobi's granddaughter All she said was, hang tight and wait till episode 8. Specifically, she says, quote, we will see in a year. Just sit tight on that question, unquote. So there you have it. That's really encouraging news that we may find out the answer to Ray's lineage in episode 8. And yeah, wouldn't it make for a great (laughs) reveal toward the end of the movie, right alongside the timing of when we got the I Am Your Father reveal from Vader at the end of Empire Strikes Back? That's how it's got to go down, right? It's got to be one of those like shocking things that ends up, oh, I don't know. I, I don't even think it's possible anymore. Do you? Do you think it's possible that they could drop a shock bomb on us that would actually get us to reinterpret not only the entirety of Episode Eight but the entirety of The Force Awakens as well? I don't think they can because I don't think they've given us enough about Rey to allow us to reinterpret things that we know about her. There haven't been any moments where Obi-Wan-like character 
has something to say about her parents or something like that, for example. You know, there's nothing really for us to grab onto that could then be flipped on its head. But I'd love to know your thoughts anyway. Do you think it's possible that we could get some incredible surprise on the level of what we got in The Empire Strikes Back? Please do share your thoughts in the comments of the blog post for this show's episode at SW7X7.com. Meanwhile, in a different interview, this one with Collider, Daisy Ridley was asked about the toy situation. And if you recall, there was a lot of foo going on because of the fact that there were very few, if any, Ray toys, Ray action figures. There was no Ray figure in the Monopoly game that was released, and it led to a big backlash against toy makers. And a Where's Ray hashtag was kicking around on Twitter, getting lots of action for a good long while. And on the one hand... Yeah, okay, there was a lot of secret stuff with Ray that they were trying to keep for the reveal in the movie, but really, you could have done Ray with a staff instead of a lightsaber, like, that would have been easy enough to do. Anyway, they didn't, they're going to fix it, it seems, because the interview with Ray, she talks about <laughs> the interview with Ray, the interview with Daisy Ridley, um, she says that... Uh, moving forward, I think what they're planning, I've been told what the plan is for next year, and it's really cool, really exciting, quote-unquote. So that, I would say, is pretty encouraging. We're going to get a lot more Ray stuff. We've definitely gotten more Jyn Erso stuff than we did Ray stuff from Episode 7, so it looks like they are getting themselves on the right track for that, the Toy Makers. So good on you, Toy Makers. And I like that stuff, too, of course, not just from the toy perspective, but as I've shared with you many times on the podcast before, The fact that with toys comes packaging copy, and packaging copy is often illustrative and indicative of character traits and situations and plot points that we might not have otherwise known until we got the movie itself. So definitely something to keep an eye out for. New Ray toys. Very exciting. All right. Let's talk about the Han Solo movie briefly. It's briefly because it is in pre-production still. It does not start filming until early 2017. However, there have been a couple of interviews recently that are worth noting. First of them was with Alden Ehrenreich for Interview Magazine. Alden, of course, is playing young Han Solo. And in the interview, he says he's currently in London doing prep stuff for Star Wars. He's asked if it's going to be shot entirely over there, and he says, I actually don't know. They shoot the Star Wars films in England, but I think they also shoot them in other places. I'm not sure exactly where the locations will be. And the interviewer asks him what kind of prep he's been doing. Aaron Reich talks about the audition process and spending time with the guys who are directing the film. He says he did his audition on the Millennium Falcon for one of his screen tests, which was pretty cool. That's one that we had heard in the past. And in the interview, he talks about being excited and feeling grateful, and the most fun is the actual job you get to do, the character you get to play, the people you work with, the day-to-day experience. Uh, He says the audition process was not grueling, actually. It was pretty fun because he enjoyed the material. He read for the directors, then came to England and did a test on the Falcon, did a couple more screen tests in Los Angeles. Presumably, he did not actually see a script at that point. As far as we've heard from The Force Awakens stuff, the script that John Boyega and Daisy Ridley worked on um, and did their screen tests with was not any part of The Force Awakens script whatsoever. It was just entirely different utterly unrelated. But that's pretty much it for the Alden Ehrenreich interview. Mostly light stuff, you know, nothing too substantial. And that's in marked contrast to the interview that Collider published with Bradford Young recently. Bradford has been named as the cinematographer on the Young Han Solo movie, 
and his resume is much more dramatically oriented. He worked on Selma and The Most Violent Year, and the most recent thing he has coming up right now is Arrival. That's the sci-fi movie directed by De- uh, Dennis Villanueva. So it doesn't necessarily seem at first blush like there's a good match. I mean, you're talking about the cinematographer for Selma and the directors of 21 Jump Street and the Lego movie, right? It's kind of a different sort of situation. But here's what Bradford Young has to say. He says, quote, It's funny. Here's the thing about Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Don't let their track record fool you. Don't put those guys in a box because they have a vision. They know exactly what they want. They have no hidden agenda, but they do have an agenda. They have a way of seeing that's very special, and their collaboration is genuinely unique. So I have to say I had to get converted into that. I respect their work, I respect them as filmmakers, but I wasn't quite sure if there would be a good marriage between what I'm trying to pursue and the work that I'm doing and what they're doing. But they helped make that real clear to me early on by expressing some real interesting story and photographic ideas that really resonated with me. So once they started really pulling me into that world, I realized how much these cats have come from the same pedagogy of filmmaking, in the visual sense for sure, and definitely from an approach in terms of how we want to make movies. They come from the same school, unquote. Now, we know that Larry Kasdan and John Kasdan, his son, are working on the script for the Han Solo movie, and one would imagine that Phil and Chris are somehow involved in the process as well. I'm sure they are providing a lot of notes and sharing a lot of ideas about things as well. It's interesting that Bradford doesn't talk about the Kasdan's involvement in what the story ideas are or anything like that, and that he's attributing it to Phil and Chris. I don't know if we should read anything into that necessarily, but it's certainly probably a much more collaborative process and probably very similar to what Kasdan did with J.J. Abrams on The Force Awakens. But whatever it is, it seems like Phil Lord and Chris Miller are putting their own stamp on it. This is, again, from Bradford Young. He says, These cats are subversive. Don't let it fool you. They are prepared to say exactly what they want to say, and it's complex, it's layered, it's smart, it's visual, it's dramatic, it's funny, it's uneasy, it's unexpected. These cats are... Pause. I'm honored to have them in the list of directors I've worked with, that's for sure. Unquote. So when I hear all that, of course, I think to myself, this guy is saying all the right things that you want to hear. And yet, I don't have the sense that he's going out of his way to say all the right things. You know what I mean? This definitely comes across as a very honest situation. And man, oh man, if he's right, and if they are able to hold true to letting these filmmakers go after their visions and not meddle with it too much. I mean, meddle with it enough to make it Star Wars, but let them you know, play with the rule book, as it were, then it's going to be so much better for all of us, I think. And that is going to wrap it up, with the exception of the spoiler stuff, which again, just don't panic. Here's how the rest of the episode is going to go. We're going to take a quick break, then we're going to come back with trivia. And as soon as I handle the trivia, I'm going to give you one last warning to drop off the podcast before the spoiler stuff starts happening. So you will have ample time to cut it off when you need to cut it off. So yeah, about that break, here it comes. Hey Rebel Rouser, you're listening to this podcast, maybe you'd like to listen to a Star Wars story too. Luckily we've got just the thing for you. We've partnered with Audible to give you a free download and a free 30-day trial of their awesome service. All you gotta do is go to audibletrial.com SW7X7 to sign up and get your free download. They've got dozens of Star Wars titles, anything you want to do to explore that galaxy far, far away. One more time for you, audibletrial.com SW7X7. Alright, welcome back. I've got your trivia stuff here for you. If you're really doing this, I want to help. No, no, Cassie, and I think we've got this all handled, thank you. 
Last time I asked you how Ray explains to Finn the timing of the closing of the blast door that frees him from the Rathtar, and she says, that was lucky. Today's question for you, remember that resistance troop transport that lands on Takadana that has Princess Leia on it? General Leia, excuse me. My question for you is, on what side of the ship is the cockpit, the port side or the starboard side? All right, this is the last warning, so if you are not interested in hearing spoiler stuff, then may the Force be with you, and I'll talk to you on tomorrow's podcast, which is a Clone Wars briefing, the Academy, coming up. Season 3, Episode 7, if I'm not mistaken. And for everybody else who's sticking around for this, all right, let's talk about what MakingStarWars.net has been up to. If you're really doing this, I want to help. No, really, really, we're good, we're good. The stuff from MakingStarWars.net has to do with costuming stuff for Kylo Ren and for Luke. And there's also a bit about Stormtroopers that they've come up with as well. First of all, they had reported on something costuming-wise from uh, the set of Episode Eight back in April, apparently. I don't know if this one just didn't come across my radar or if I was just in a period where I was going, I'm not looking at spoilers no matter what or anything like that. But I guess they're at a point where they are fleshing out more details about the leaks and rumors that they have a hold of. And one of them has to do with Luke's costume in episode 8. In fact, they got somebody to do a sketch which, according to them, is a very accurate depiction of what they've seen as Luke's costume in episode 8. It is different from the one that we saw at the end of episode 7. And apparently there's some contention about whether Luke actually uses a lightsaber during the course of episode 8. Now it's the costuming that sort of leads to this last little aside in the article from Making Star Wars about whether Luke actually uses his lightsaber in the film, but I think that's a more explosive topic than anything else you could possibly share with me. The idea that Luke doesn't even use his lightsaber in episode 8, again, they're not saying that he does or doesn't, they're just saying that there is a contention as to whether he does. In other words, it's not wholly well known whether he does, and that there's even a question of it, I think, is utterly remarkable. I mean, it's one thing to hold off Luke as a story choice till the end of Episode 7, and I get it, I get it. Michael Arndt, who is the initial screenwriter for The Force Awakens, said that when he was doing early drafts and Luke was showing up earlier, pretty much everything stopped, and it was kind of like, wow, what's Luke going to do? He's on the scene, and it pretty much changed the entire center of gravity of the movie. And so, yeah, it makes sense. You know, you know, <laughs> let the storytellers do it. They've been doing it for a while. They know what they're doing for the most part. So, anyway... Yeah, the idea that you would now have Luke, but he wouldn't throw down with a lightsaber? Ooh, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, you had Han show up, and he showed that he still has the chops. But, yeah, I don't know if you can have Luke and not have Luke show off what he can do now that he's 30 years down the line. Meanwhile, the Kylo Ren thing also has to do with his costume. And it's described as a fetish at one point, and yeah, it seems a little weird to describe it as a fetish when you're talking about your grandfather, but, you know, be that as it may, his obsession, if you will, with Darth Vader seems to be carrying into his costume. There is possibly some version of a cape that looks like a cape that Darth Vader would wear. Not exactly, because it doesn't have the same chain thing they're saying, but the idea that he is continuing his obsession and deepening his obsession with Darth Vader, trying to sink further into that idea, seems to be coming through in a costuming choice as well. And the last thing has to do with the fact that there are, surprise, surprise, new types of stormtroopers that we are going to see in Episode Eight. 
There's a report in particular of one that's being referred to as the executioner, and this may be a code word, maybe it's not a code word, but there's talk about the fact that the character of Nines, that would be one of Finn's squad mates, the guy who yells traitor and fights him with that Z6 riot baton, that he was a breakout star in his own way, and the makers of Episode Eight might have wanted to ride that kind of idea and create a similar breakout star for episode 8 with this executioner character who has a similar style baton but maybe has spinning blades on the end of it instead so upping the level of danger with the thing and that Finn is going to have to face off with this guy at some point is the story and the rumor and the leak that's going around right now. And making Star Wars claims that we are also going to see First Order updated versions of the Imperial Guard, you know, the Royal Imperial Guard that used to guard the Emperor, and Imperial Gunners as well. I guess it makes sense that we're going to see more of these. It certainly happened with the original trilogy where they expanded the types of troopers that we saw. It certainly happened in the prequel trilogy as well with all the different types of clone troopers that we saw. So, yeah, uh, sort of a no surprise surprise there, but interesting stuff to contemplate. And I think that is about enough for a seven-minute-a-day podcast that is pushing 20 minutes at this point. So thank you very much for listening. We will have links at the blog post for the show's episode at SW7X7.com if you want to see the artwork they commissioned to try to explain what some of these costuming choices looked like and also read more about the leaks and rumors and spoilers that are kicking around. So as I said to the folks who jumped off before, may the force be with you as well, and I'll catch you tomorrow for our Clone Wars briefing. And then Monday, we've got a Rebels briefing coming up. That'll be for Imperial Super Commandos, which is episode 7 of the new season of Rebels, and that's coming not too far from now. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you challenge the Jedi Council, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'd be spectacularly grateful if you put a little something in the tip jar at patreon.com slash SW7X7. It's not a test, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.